0: Today's Expert Process Podcast.
1: It's sometimes an all-or-nothing situation, and you can have the greatest film, and particularly you bring it to con, and it doesn't always get picked up for one reason or another, and it has nothing necessarily to do with the quality of the film.
2: That was my friend, Michael Jack Scholl of Aristocal Entertainment. Michael has been distributing films for more than 30 years, and he has a specialty in dealing with the con film market. Stick around to hear more about what Michael has to say and what he can tell you about getting your movie in the con film market.
0: Do you know six in ten businesses will fail within the first five years? First five years. Or 43% of Americans need a side hustle just to make ends meet? Just to make ends meet? Or that it takes 10,000 hours to master any subject? Any subject. Any subject. Welcome to the Expert Process Podcast, where we cut the time to mastery in half with our seasoned pros. And now, from Atlanta, Georgia, broadcasting worldwide, here's your resident expert, Durante Smith.
2: Hello again, EIT Nation, or all of you experts in training. Welcome to the Expert Process Podcast. I'm your host, Durante Smith. And it's my job to interview some of the most hardworking, highly successful professionals on the planet. The show follows a 12-week online masterclass at TheExpertProcess.com, where you'll learn from start to finish what it takes to make it in your industry. The program is chock-full of professional advice, resources, and even context to help you get to the next level in half the time. The podcast is your introduction. The masterclass is the blueprint. And I'm your guide. Now, buckle up. And get ready for the ride.
0: You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors.
2: This episode is brought to you by Airbnb. Now, if you're like me, you like to travel in comfort, style, but also economically when you can. And I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not keen on staying in someone else's home. That is, until I discovered Airbnb, my friend. My very first day was about six years ago in Santa Monica, California, ironically, during the American Film Market. I stayed in a beautiful home just 1.26 miles from the beach. And then there was the weekend getaway to Knoxville, which was incredible. Our hosts were top-notch. They made breakfast for us. They made um, She actually made lunch, which was, I mean, insane. It was a music festival going on, so there was just great live music. Uh, we had dinner on the uh, river there at one of the local establishments, barbecue joints. And it was just a great experience. Then there was uh, Daytona that we got away for, again, for another short trip. It was about four hours down and back. And uh, Daytona was just, it was incredible. Great food, great weather. The beach was just beautiful. And it was the great time of year to go. So one other thing. Locally, here in Atlanta, we have a ton of just awesome Airbnbs, and then there's the the treehouse here, which I hope to go to very soon and take my daughter to. That's here in Atlanta that you can stay in, and it stays booked out, I think, six months out in advance, so that's one you definitely want to put on your list. Since then, I've been sold. Now, I'm a believer in crowd sharing and the disruptor industry, and I love Love, love me some Airbnb. So do yourself a favor and try it out. You can use my promo code to save $55 off your first adventure. Just go to bit.ly forward slash expert process Airbnb. Again, that's bit.ly bitly forward slash expert process Airbnb for your getaway or staycation today. So, Michael, tell our audience what it is that you guys do. Give us a little about your backstory, and, yeah, let's just jump in.
1: We are an independent distributor of independently made feature films, and we really enjoy working with filmmakers to bring their films that often are overlooked by larger distribution and finding a home in all the little areas that it, they can still be seen. Got you.
2: And what and what's your background, Michael? How how did you even get into all this
1: stuff? You know, it's been a it's been an incredibly long evolution. I was thinking about that before you called me. I I started out, I hate to say it, but I started out in the world of VHS and beta. Oh, and wow. uh i was selling uh, pippy long stocking videos and uh then uh i started it, it evolved and i started buying and selling movies and then i buy on on tape and then i started buying and selling movie rights and um at a certain point i made a pretty big transition when i started dealing with gay and lesbian films not solely but uh, pretty heavily and primarily and that's where we had some of our you know our first biggest successes and that worked all the way through the life of DVD up until the last couple of years I mean actually it's still what we do uh, but it's not as strong as it was a couple of years ago as we were just writing out the end of the DVD era.
2: This sounds and you can correct me if I'm wrong but it sounds like you were promoting gay and lesbian film before it really kind of took hold and gained it in popularity that it kind of
1: found, I guess, in the 2000s or so. Is that correct? That is, is very correct. I mean, I wasn't the only one. There were a few of us. But I was one of the initial when uh, we couldn't always even get our catalogs printed.
2: Hmm. And how was that? Because I would assume that that had to be a, a serious challenge in trying to find a home for some probably really good films.
1: Yes, and at the same time, what worked then is what doesn't work now because we could, you know, every town, every city had a store that had a gay and lesbian community, mm-hmm. or, or at least, you know, hidden or visible. And so they would carry the videos, and we literally just called all the video stores all over the country and built our lists. Oh, wow. And back then you were selling videos for 30 to $40 a piece, so if you sold a few hundred videos, there was a little bit of money there. But that was a lot of legwork. Exactly. A lot of legwork, a lot of, you know, really grassroots marketing. And um, and that that worked for a long time. And then it evolved because Blockbuster got really big and Blockbuster recognized that there was an audience and they included us and they worked with us. Um, What's happened now and the challenge that we face is it's no longer so hard to find. So, We worked with some very independently made films with some very micro budgets, and now you can watch HBO and you can watch Showtime, you can watch Netflix, and they're producing product on a really nice level. So on that level, I'd like to think that I helped open some doors and and fill that pathway, Uh, but it hasn't been so great for our business at this point in time.
2: Are you more of a self-agent, are you a distributor, or are you also a producer?
1: I am all of the above. I mean, our primary business is distribution. Then again, the biggest film that we distributed was the film series that I created, or I didn't create, well, I developed it and nurtured it with the film, with the writer-director, and, uh, it's called the Eating Out series, and it is basically one of the most successful, strongest, long-term gay-themed feature film series. It's the mm-hmm. first franchise, first gay-themed feature f- franchise in the U.S. Yeah, the only one that was around before us was the uh, La Cage a Faux, which w- w- really wasn't a franchise. It was just a, f- a film and a sequel, and we actually did five in our series.
2: Let's digress for a moment. So where you and I met, we met at the,
1: the American Film Market, the AFM,
2: out in Santa Monica. And I want to say that was uh, 2014, I believe. Does that sound right? Yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. So I think you said that was the only year that you guys ran the booth. And that's actually where I met you. I actually met you at your booth. I, I, I specifically remember meeting you. Uh, I, met, I met you right. at your booth. You were a nice guy, man, you know, and uh, and I commend you for that because you can run into some characters out
1: there at <laughs> you man. Know? that's That's very true. I mean, one of the things I really, you know, when you're driven by your business, what really drives me sometimes, you know, more than a specific genre is just the satisfaction of working with a filmmaker to get their vision out there and to be able to help facilitate that process. That's what I like the most about all of this.
2: Right, and you know it's funny because the information I try to share with the—I mean, I'll, I'll teach guest lectures and all these other things, and and I get you know solicited often for advice, which then has in turn prompted me to create this course. That's a big uh, a big part of this whole thing is the expert process is really about a course, right? But the right. the the thing about it is the fact of the matter—it's not just having a story it's not just having an idea it's not just making a film it's not just taking it to market it's the research that goes into doing all that stuff to give yourself a chance of being successful by how you um how you structure the film and how you structure the dialogue and how you structure your characters. so i say that in respect to you and our dialogue and our conversation in that when i did my research Right, I went to Sanando and I'm looking at the different companies and stuff like that. So I did my research. Okay. You were one of the ones that I wanted to go and approach and talk to. So you might say, well, why is that? Why would you do that? Well, it's because I knew that you actively promoted gay and lesbian films. In my film, the characters in the film were the one fellow, her brother, is a gay character. Her um, character is female. She's actually the lead in the film. She's more she's non-binary, um, perhaps? non diarney that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Okay. Non-dyranny. Okay. Yes. And so when you and I had that conversation, that initial conversation, that was what kind of led to the interest. And then I remember that we had a follow-up meeting over at the, uh, the La Meridian, right next door to the Lowe's. And, oh uh, yeah, yeah. You remember that we had that conversation out on? Uh, it was um, it's not on the patio area. It's like over by like the bar or something like that. You told me you know how much you had enjoyed the conversation and the the trailer we put together and all of that and you know, it led to more conversation and whatnot, to so eventually you took the film and agreed to give me uh, a deal and take it over to the con market, create the, you know, the marketing materials. and
1: Oh, that's yeah. right. We okay, did, yeah.
2: Which was awesome. So if you would, could you tell the audience a little bit more about that? Because from my end of it as a filmmaker, I could tell you the experience was terrific. But from your side of it being, you know, a sales agent and also, you know, a distributor, how, what is that like? for you being able to sit across the table from someone like myself who's all starry-eyed and, you know, just
1: excited. <laughs> well, I about, mean, you were things. you you were realistic in your expectations. I mean, that's one of the hardest things because it's kind of, it's sometimes an all or nothing situation and you can have the greatest film and particularly you bring it to Khan and it doesn't always get picked up for one reason or another and it has nothing necessarily to do with the quality of the film. And then sometimes you'll get sales, but they're they're not anywhere near what the person invested in them. So being able to have a reasonable conversation and say, we can create some artwork for this. We can promote it. We can take out ads. We can display it heavily in our booth at the market. We can do all of those things. And that's what we can do is we can bring it to market and we can give it a shot. We've got the trailer and we've got this and we've got that and we can present it to the buyers. And then it's launched and Sometimes it gets picked up and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have a film that you know absolutely will sell, either because it's on a grand level, it has stars, it has press, it's won awards, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you're lucky enough to to get involved with something like that. But a lot of times you've got something that has a little something. So your film, I had the strongest market with gay and lesbian audience. Your film touched on it. It wasn't really it. I'm not There was a lot of supernatural in it. It's supernatural is not necessarily my strength. On the other hand, it's the supernatural market is actually, in many cases, stronger than the gay and lesbian market. Mm. Um, but then sometimes when you're doing two, neither market wants it. Um, so there's just so many different variables. And so hopefully with your film, is what I'm thinking, we can find a way to catch a little bit here and catch a little bit there that might not otherwise be covered.
2: What you just said is, Spot on the intention that I put into it in crafting the film because I knew we didn't have a lot of money. I knew that, you know, we didn't have a lot of money to market the film and all this and that. But, and we didn't have any big stars in the film and, you know, there were no big name attachments. And this was my first feature film that I was directing, so no one knew me. But what I did know is if we gave ourselves the best chance at finding a market and just putting enough of those elements in the film say, hey, look, this audience, you guys might be interested in it because, hey, we thought about you. Hey, this audience, uh, like I said, the supernatural market, hey, we thought about you. You know, this is intended to pique your interest. You know, that kind of thing. But, again, it wasn't to the point of not being genuine because I wanted to come across as
1: genuine in the film. It wasn't just throwing it in there, you know. Um, well, that's another thing and that, um, for me, I look for that in the film and in the person that I'm working with. There's just a certain genuity that interests me in being involved.
0: You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors.
2: So I want to talk to you folks for a set. This episode with Michael highlights the value of connections, the value of relationships, but also the value in knowing how to make a sellable film. It's just too easy to throw away Tens of thousands of dollars on film school, equipment, continuing education, software, short films, you name it. None of which makes you any immediate money or gets you to your goal of making movies any sooner. And after having counseled hundreds of filmmakers in lectures, conferences, and panels, I sat down and mapped out my own personal experiences making my movie prosper, now available on Amazon and Amazon Prime. Coupled with the expertise of the many industry professionals I know, like Michael, to create the expert process. It is the preeminent blueprint to making your movie from start to finish and get it to the market in the shortest amount of time possible. Trust me when I say the amount of time, energy, but most importantly, the amount of money I lost to the sheer inexperience that I had is unthinkable. And I do not want that for you. So go to the expertprocess.com. Sign up for the webinar and the free class now, if space is available, and find out what it's all about risk-free. Again, that's the TheExpertProcess.com. Sign up now. Now back to the show. One of the things that I find really, really interesting, living here in Atlanta, we have a huge you know, gay and lesbian population and stuff like that. And I have tons of friends that... You know all over the spectrum right but the one thing i've come to learn is it's all about respect man if you show the level of respect to whomever it is that you're dealing with you're always going to get much better results than you do if you're not being genuine or you say if you're not being sincere so that's uh yeah that's one of the things that i've come to learn and i've come to appreciate and it's just been a really benefit to being here in atlanta to see and experience all the different types of people that are here it's just It's amazing, you know, the diversity in Atlanta. It's not L.A., it's getting there. And you're getting more production there, too. Getting a lot more production, man. It's going to be really busy, and it's posing its own interesting challenges. Now our big thing is really trying to cultivate the talent on the top end, on the uh, above the line, and get the investors here to actually help facilitate developing content above $500,000 film. And
1: we're getting that. And so I hope to be... Well, Netflix is... D- they have a studio out there, right?
2: Not that I'm aware of. I, they're oh, okay. doing a lot of production here, but I'm not They aware do a of
1: lot of production. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, they do a lot. of. Now, what they do is they have two different studios that they work with or rent out often. Oh, okay, not, right. okay.
1: Yeah. yeah, they're not okay. their actual
2: the studio. That's right. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I know
1: a lot of the actors that have been in a lot of the films that I have, I see posts all the time, and they're living out there. And uh, one of the actors that has since become an agent um, and is, I think, one of the top agents out there right now. And oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. His, that's, that's uh, his a, that's people a, that's are getting jobs s- all the time. Wow. That's a big career shift.
2: So, Mike, what would you say to these guys that it's their first time, they're trying to get something out, or let's say maybe they've made their first film, and they want to meet someone like yourself who can kind of usher them to the next level? What
1: do you say to them? What do they need to do? Well, AFM is a really good start. Actually, if they, if they have enough money to get to Cannes, um, I think there's more opportunities to have conversations and meet people there. When I met you at the AFM, there used to be – there's a pool area, and people could hang out and talk by the pool. Right. And you could eavesdrop on conversations, and you could talk to people randomly, or they'd hear you. They've changed that now, unfortunately. Oh, wow. um, unf- I mean, Some people are happy with it. Some people aren't. But if you don't have a badge, you cannot be out there. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, then again, I mean, you could still get the badge, and they have either do a day badge or get a week badge, and it'd be a really good investment because you're hearing the best pitches in the world there. And a lot of people are pitching films that don't even exist. They've never been made and they never will be made. But you really hear a lot of good stuff. Um, And I've always found that, you know, you learn a lot. And you Hmm. you can watch the way deals go down and you can watch people, how they interact. Uh, And they've got some good seminars there as well. Another one is if you can go to Sundance, which is actually can be very inexpensive. You can, um, you know, there's always people advertising for for a room that they want to share. The first time I went to Sundance, and I'll never do it again, but it was a three-bedroom condo and there were 20 people in there. <laughs> so I just upgraded a little bit from that.
2: <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> it's
1: it's like summer camp for filmmakers. And there's just always – just I mean, you can be sitting on the bus there and you're hearing a conversation that is intriguing and interesting. It's like summer camp in the snow. <laughs> right, and you'll make conversations and you'll meet people that you can then follow up with.
2: And you know what, and that is so critical, the follow-up. I mean, there there's not enough that can be said about follow-up because honestly, that's how you and I connected. And then it was the follow-up because... It wasn't right away. It was right. after, you know, having some conversation and saying, hey, look, this is kind of the road I've been down. I had some other distribution offers and had turned them down. I had taken one particular offer and I had negotiated a scenario where I had an exit clause. And if it wasn't performing in a certain amount of time, then I was able to get out of it. And that was what enabled me to be able to work with you. So it is to stay in contact with folks and the follow-up and the whole notion of, hey, if somebody likes you, then why not put the filler out there every so often? Hey, remove
1: once every what,
2: four, five, six months or something, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: So what is it that you guys have going on now? And you're telling me that you've got some different things going on, I guess with productions and stuff like that. And what is it that you guys look for with maybe a co production deal or that kind of thing? What exactly you guys
1: well at this point we are not doing any co we're not doing any productions at this moment in time. Okay, we're actually looking. I mean, what we're looking for is to do co-productions with uh, people that have financing and then we can participate in the process with them. Because, I mean, our film, The Eating Out series, did incredibly well and it, it set a lot of records. And so we know how to take a very minimal budget and create a film that can fill a lot of void. So on that respect, as far as production is concerned, I'm looking to work with people that have more experience than me right now because I still have a lot to learn. Sure. As far as distribution is concerned, we actually picked up three very different films last year that we've released um, that a couple don't have any gay connection at all. One has like maybe a a partial 50% gay connection, but each one was interesting because what I'm trying to do is pick up, I almost call them adjacent films that will work with what we have, which is a character-driven audience that enjoys just something special, intriguing that they wouldn't otherwise find. Okay. So, we picked up a film. Um, one is called Kingston Paradise, and what attracted me to it, this one as well as Vigilante of the Crossing, is Kingston Paradise is the first Jamaican narrative feature f- directed by a woman. And it won an award at the Pan African Film Festival, got the Programmer's Award. And it played a lot of other places, and the director is a woman named Mary Wells. And in many respects, it's an action drama. But just the fact for me that I was intrigued by it, again, it's like i like to put something out that I think is going to break a little bit of a boundary, break a little bit of a barrier, and get something out there that might not otherwise get into the mix. And The Vigilante of the Crossing is a vigilante movie. It deals a lot with race relations that um, are in Barbados, but it parallels Pretty much everything that we read here, just to show you the breadth of, of where we're going. Picked up a film called Cobb Bodyscapes, which is from India. Now, this one did have a gay theme. It was the very first, or not the very first, but it was a gay theme film that in India was originally banned because it it portrayed homosexuality in a positive light. Wow,
2: that's major because that cultural uh, thing in India—that's big.
1: That's yeah, I could see very that. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And then you're saying the other
1: film. And then the the other film that we that we released is called The Trigger. And actually that was made um, by a friend of mine that I've worked with a long time, know him a long time. He was an actor on soap operas many years ago and he was in some of the early gay films of note. And then this was his first feature that he directed and wrote. Mm. And it deals a lot with um, sobriety. Again, it's a thriller with more of an elevated concept behind it.
2: So are you telling me then
1: that your focus is specific to
2: films or are you also looking at episodic are you looking at short form content uh are you looking at these new uh these new markets with the ott markets and stuff like that because i guess where i'm going with this is it seems that the content that's being created now it's all across the board it's not just films anymore And it seems that you can almost find a home with anything it provided that it has a market.
1: Well, that's very true. And so I've got my, you know, my hands a little bit everywhere in that respect. I'm in pre-development on a series that I want to bring to the various networks and, and see where it could land. It's, I was inspired a lot by what I saw from Pose and I have something that I think, you know, fits into that genre in a lot of different ways. It's not fully developed yet. Mm -hmm. So that's, My personal project, and that's probably because I've always worked in distribution and I've promoted other people's projects. That's mine. It's not crystallized yet, so I can't talk too much about it uh, yet. But, I mean, if you go back to my early roots, and I think many people, we all wanted to be in this industry in some shape or capacity. What I know is, is I love the narrative format, so I tend to lean towards that. I mean, I'll release. I'll definitely release a doc when we find one. I tend to look for documentaries when I do pick them up. That are entertaining in the process, um, but that's for me. I mean, some people. I want to do things. I want to make a statement with my films. But I overall, what I love about mostly when I put a film out is if it moves people, with an emphasis on if it makes people laugh. Right. But that does, that can be in any format. It's like where can I find the opportunity to successfully do that, and where can I help somebody get their vision out in the same way.
0: You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. Hey,
2: guys and gals. Now, a lot of you may not know, but I'm a professional filmmaker. Now, that does mean I have a little clout with filmmakers, film critics, distributors, and movie buffs. But what I want you to do is to check out the movie, The Horror Society, ranked top 10 for 2014. Oh,
0: It's called
2: Prosper. It's my movie, and it will creep you out. And it's available to expert process podcast listeners or EIT Nation right now for free. Just go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash prosper movie. Again, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Prosper Movie. Or you can log in with your Amazon Prime account. Or if you don't have Amazon Prime, you can get it today for only twelve ninety nine. So check out the movie. So, Irene, Give me some reviews. What's this game about anyway? And show your boy the some love. Very real, I can you. And I'll check you out later.
0: Especially when you're in a Thanks so much.
2: Take a filmmaker that wants to connect with you. How do they go about doing that? Is there a process? Do you have a formula? Do you have protocol? How does one go about getting in contact with you and and pitching you? How does that happen?
1: If they have a film, they can send me an email with a link and a brief description of what the film is. If it has gay or lesbian content, then I'm immediately going to look at it because I know that I can still work with it. If it's an interesting film that they want me to look at it, You know, just send me why. If I don't get back to you in a week, follow up.
2: Is that a screener they're going to send over right away, or are they sending over a trailer and package? What is it that you're looking
1: for? You know, I'm less formal, so I, I, I hesitate a little bit because what works for me might not be acceptable to other people. But I basically, I want a brief description of why I want to see it, and I want to see the trailer. Cause the trailer is going to tell me the production value and it's going to give me the overall sensibility of the film. A couple of times I've gotten a trailer where it's just like a lot of people being cut up and that's just not more shot or whatever. And that's, that's not my thing. So mm-hmm. it's just, I'm not going to get, be, I'm not going to be motivated to pick up a call and, you know, pick up a phone or get on online and try to promote the film.
2: And you mentioned uh, far as co-production where companies or folks that have their funding in place. Now, that I don't know how many times I've heard somebody say they have their money or something like that, and they really don't, right? right. How do you quantify that?
1: Conversation, and then follow-up, and then how quickly you know does something come through? But uh, Because it, I'm in a little bit of a different place because when I produced, everything I produced, I knew I could sell through my own distribution channel. So now I'm actually at a transition as well because I'm looking to partner with people to make a bigger production that someone else will be releasing.
2: Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're only going to partner with people that have the wherewithal, financial wherewithal, to be able to back up what they're wanting to produce. But then in turn, you're talking about that's not a $10,000 project. That's more like,
1: I'd say, what, a
2: minimum $100,000 or
1: something like that? I would like to do much more than that. I'd like to go fight a half a million and up. Right. And in all honesty, I've not done that yet. But given that I've done close to that, that's my next step. And also the market really – the market at this point, in my experience when I was selling DVDs, there was a good chance that if you made a $50,000 movie, you could make your money back. Right. That's not as likely now. Right. It's like you have to risk a lot more money to be able to get into that kind of playing field.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: So it sounds like to me, at the end of the day, we as indie filmmakers, um, we have to be smart in what we create as far as the content. If we want to have a side of getting it sold, you have to be right. um, conscious of what's in the market and what, I guess, what the market is bearing and what the market is buying at this time. So you're telling me the AFM is a great, viable market in the sense that it's still an area of networking making the contact, getting a learning experience there. Then you have Sundance, which is a bit of a different thing in that it's a different kind of learning curve, different kind of learning experience and exposure. And then you have the con market, which is the whole experiential thing that is everything I've heard about con, is that you have the film festival side, which is all the glitz and glamour, and it sounds like the work really gets done at the market. Is that correct?
1: For indie, for the very indie films, yes. Uh, okay. There is a lot of networking and socializing that goes on through the festival. There's actually literally a basement where it's set up just like the AFM. Mm. It is going on concurrently with the market. But the thing is, you've got that, but then at night, you're getting to absorb the other energy. And okay. obviously, I mean, a lot of people are there for the party and the fun, but you you can see the subtleties of the business as well. If you have produced a film and it's played at a theater, the can market has an incredible producers' networking program that you can get into, but you have to have had within the last three years a theatrically released film.
2: Now, I wish I would have known about that because we actually got distribution theatrically. Uh, we played in several cities and uh, like, I think seven states, I think is what it was.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
2: I wish I would have known that. But is that program new?
1: I it's, I went. In fact, it's three or four years since I went because I haven't had a theatrical released film in more than three years. So I, I can't go back okay. until I do another one. Yes. But something well, to be, particularly, you know, what you might get partnered. You might partner up with somebody because you've got the production knowledge. You might sure. partner up with somebody that does something. They do a theatrical release, and you. It's, but you have to have a producer title, not a uh, associate producer title.
2: And th- you know what? Again, that's what this whole thing is about. You learn from communicating and conversing with other people. And you have a girth of knowledge that you've been doing this for, what, 20, 25, 30 years? How long have you been at this?
1: Yeah, about I was just doing the math, and I think at this point it is over 30. In yeah, one capacity know. or another, yeah. On the film aspect, I really didn't get started in doing theatrical releases and overseas sales until about... 2003 but then i was doing the distribution before that
2: so you know you take all that you know all that experience and all those years i mean it compiles into something where it lends itself to success so yeah i'm glad that we had the opportunity to meet and i really appreciate you giving me your time because the information that you share with the audience it's invaluable i mean it's one of those things where you don't know until you know and then you have someone that can kind of help you get there quicker And even more importantly, help you understand what's out there and accessible to you. I think it gives you
1: a leg up. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I hope it was uh, helpful for anyone that takes a listen.
2: Anyone that wants to get in contact with you, is there a way that they can reach out to you? Do you have a website? Is there anything that you want to promote
1: as far as where we might be able to see some of your work? Yeah, well, AristaCal Entertainment site. And there's AristaCal, and there's AristaCal On Demand. And I'll spell it out. It's A-R-I-Z, like Arizona. And then it's T is in Tom I, and then it's C A L like California. dot com. So there's Aristocal. dot com, Aristocal on Demand, where you can actually see we have our own on-demand site. People can go on, rent our films. They can sign up for a monthly membership. Um, so it gives you an idea of what we do, and you can see the broad spectrum of what we have. It's predominantly gay in terms of the imagery, and you know a lot of really good-looking men on the <laughs> images. Uh, but then again, we're with our new releases, we are broadening a little bit beyond that.
2: And if they want to reach out to you, are you uh, available on any of the socials?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, I'm. I'm on Facebook. I'm not so great with answering people on Facebook, but I mean, if they send to me, I'll at least get them my email address, and then they can follow up with me on the email.
2: Gotcha. Is it Facebook this easier, or is it Twitter, or something like that? Cause are you on Twitter as well?
1: Aristocal's on Twitter. I'm not personally. So for me, if you want to easily reach me, and you can also go to aristocal.com, and I forget how you get a hold of me, but it, at the very least, you can go to sales at aristocal.com, and um, then just say, I'm trying to reach Michael Scholl, and then it'll be forwarded to me.
2: It'll go through your 200 or 300 employees to get to you, correct?
1: Um, Maybe a couple less zeros than that,
2: but yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Michael, we appreciate you, man. It was great, and I thank you so much for your time and sharing your expertise and your knowledge. And, again, you're one of our experts. We're learning. We're in that process, and we're trying to get
1: there. So thanks so much again, man. You're very welcome, and thank you. I appreciate it.
2: And a very special thank you to my friend Michael Jack Scholl of Aristocal Entertainment for entertaining my request for an interview today. And a special thank you to you, my listeners. This podcast and all that it entails is the culmination of a lot of hard work and in many ways a dream come true. So, please bear with us as we continue to fine-tune the show. And if you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and like and share with your preferred social media. Every little bit counts, trust me. If you have any suggestions, recommendations, referrals, or show ideas, feel free to reach out to me at Smith.dorante at gmail.com. That's smith, S-M-I-T-H dot deronte d-e-r-o-n-t-e at gmail.com oh and soon you'll be able to get the show notes and all the other links and referrals and all that good stuff trust me I promise until next time love, peace, and fish grease And I'm out.
0: Thank you for tuning in to today's show. For only the best show notes, links, classes, and more, go to TheExpertProcess.com or follow us on Facebook at The Expert Process or hit us up on Instagram at The Expert Process. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share.